Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> oh, God, we just thank you, Father, if, if not for grace. <clears throat> we thank you, Father, for the throne of grace. Lord, we, we, we praise you and we magnify you, oh, God. Your word says, Come ye therefore boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so, Father, we, we petition before your throne. Lord, we, we thank you that there is a throne in heaven, O God. We thank you, Lord, that there is the mercy seat. Lord, we thank you, O God, that there is the throne of grace to which, God, we can run, to which, O Lord, we can petition. Father, we are not self-sufficient. We are not uh, uh, self-reliant, O God. We are not self-existing. Father, we need you. You are the um, Alpha and the Omega. You are our fountain. You are our source. We derive every good and perfect gift from you, Lord. We derive every uh, blessing from you, Lord. We derive, O oh God, our sustenance, our our breath, our life, our existence. As Paul said in Acts, in you we live, we move, and we have our being, Lord. We cannot exist apart from you. Father, we need you. We, we need your strength, God. We need your power, Lord. We need your anointing, God. And I pray, Father, that your presence and your person, O God, would begin, O Lord, to, to invade the atmosphere, O Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Father, we pray for your anointing, O God, to rest. Father, your, your presence, your presence, O Lord. Yes, God, it matters not who, who is present if you're not present. Hallelujah. It matters not who's absent if you're not if if you're absent, oh God. Father, be be among us, dwell among us, be pleased to rest in this holy temple. Be pleased, oh God, to rest in this house of yours, oh God. Be pleased, oh Lord, in Jesus' name. May it bring glory to your name, God. I pray that every name would bow to the name of Jesus Christ, that every demon would bow and submit itself to the authority of Jesus Christ, that the name of Jesus would be glorified, the name of Christ would be glorified, and every other kingdom, every pontentate, every emperor would, would be uh, subservient to that name. Oh God, may you have the full rewards of your sufferings. May the Lamb of God have the full rewards of his sufferings. Oh God, we bless you. We praise you. I exalt you, Lord. I extol you, God. I praise your mighty name for having done great and mighty deeds, for having done and uh, performed great wonders, O oh Lord. I thank you, Father, that you have triumphed over every God. You've triumphed over every demon. You've triumphed over every tyrant. We thank you for the blood that speaks better things than that of the blood of Abel. We thank you, Lord, for the blood that speaks better things than that of bulls and goats. We thank you for the blood that still speaks. Hallelujah. That goes to the lowest valley and to the highest mountain and still speaks, still heals, still remits sins, still forgives, still pardons, and still makes whole. Thank you, glorious, great God and Savior Jesus. We praise your mighty name. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. Your name is to be feared among the heathen. Your name is to be feared in the church. And so, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Make your holy habitation among us. 
As it says in Psalm 22, you inhabit in the praises of your people. Hallelujah. God, I pray that you would afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. May nothing, uh, uh, um, nothing is hidden from your sight. No one's hit. Uh, Lord, we, 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 we read in your word that nothing is hidden from that two-edged sword, which is your word. May it go forth, O God, and, and, and um, conform us to your image. Hallelujah. Thank you, O God. I praise you. I praise you, Father. Yes, Lord, we exalt your name. Glorify your name. In Jesus' mighty name, hallelujah, amen, <clears throat> and amen. Amen. <clears throat> Give me one second. Let me turn this on here. Get a little more lighting. Um, I want to encourage us to go ahead and, and, and uh, grab our Bibles. Um. I want to encourage um, us to, you know, and, and like I said, I've, I've said this a number of times before, but um, it's uh, just for a flow of read. If you guys happen to have an NIV, I'll, um, uh, go ahead and grab that. If not, that's fine. Uh, I know sometimes we like to get um, alternative translations. That way, as, as I read mine, you can see what yours says. Uh, but I find that it's just uh, best for uh, flow, um, so you can see verse by verse what um, and word by word. Excuse me, uh, what the text is saying. So if you have uh, your Bibles, I want to encourage you to get that. Um, it's always best to get um, actual paper. Not that I'm against. Um, um, e-bibles or anything like that amen <clears throat> you know um you know the bible said you know jesus he says in the volume of the book it is written of me right it says in the volume of the book it is written of me um jesus says the scriptures testify of me right so so the scriptures point to and testify of jesus and so, you know, the reason why the reading of the Word of God is so vital um, is because it testifies of who Jesus is and it defines who Jesus is. Um, in fact, uh, you know, let us um, go ahead and <clears throat> turn our Bibles to First um, Timothy. You know, I, I, I was... Uh, um, Welcome, Brother Joey. Great to have you. Um, and, and you know, I, I also extend that to everyone else. It's it's great to have us all here and uh, for our first-time visitors. And uh, you're very much welcome. Um, it's a blessing to have uh, new faces. And and, uh, and for those that uh, are rejoining, it's, it's, it's a blessing to have the people of God come. <clears throat> Amen. As the text says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I need uh, Before we get to the text that I want us to read, we have to understand that going to the house of the Lord isn't necessarily uh, a physical building. Um, 
what we have to understand is that we are the house. Um, we read this in Hebrews. It says, Moses was faithful in all of God's house. He says, as a servant, but Christ was faithful in all God's house as a son, whose house we are if we hold fast to the things we have heard. So what, what that is indicating is that there's a new house. Uh, Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Fa Moses was faithful to build everything after the pattern that was shown to him, um, and he was given a copy of the realities, and that copy was the earthly tabernacle. Amen. And what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, that is if that earthly tabernacle um, is destroyed, we have a building from God. And so that building is the house of God. Paul says, in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. The house that he was referring to is the household of God. Amen. That's Bible. And and let's let's get this straight. Let's not get it twisted. It's not your house. You you go ahead and do what you want at your house. You you, you go ahead and um you know at my house I have people take off their shoes. I remember one time I asked someone to take off their shoes. They got offended. I'm like, hey, hey hold on, you got it twisted, dude. Like this is my house. I don't know what you think, but I make the rules. I pay the bills. I make the rules. You think that's arrogant? Then allow people go in your house and do whatever the heck they want. You don't. So, so what? Why are you offended that I have rules in my house? And so, uh, God has rules in His house. Get right or get left. That's it. Is what it is. Uh, pop, contrary to popular opinion, God has rules, and if you don't like it, you'll be egg. You'll be ejected out. That's that's that. I don't make those rules, and so so that's that's where people they they don't want to submit to the authority of God. They don't want to submit to the Word of God, and so what we do is we invent everything. We we say, oh, you know, I want God's house to look like this because I've always imagined God's house to look like this, and so we'll do this. We 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 won't have prayer. Um, you know, and you 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 plug it in. People just do whatever they want in the name of of religiosity amen and it's false um and let me, let me say this parenthetically as a warning what does the bible say and paul says this in corinthians he says this to a warning to those who were coming in uh, uh teaching false doctrine doing what they thought that um he says and by the way people have taken this out of context to refer to if you smoke cigarettes or drink beer I'm not suggesting that you do that, but, um, and when I say, hold on, I always have to clarify things. When I say drink beer, there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. Drunkenness is a sin. Um, do I advise drinking alcohol? No, even if it's in moderation. Um, but the point that I'm trying to make is people will say, you know, hey, don't smoke cigarettes, you're destroying your temple. Paul didn't use it in that context. Paul used it uh, with regards to false doctrine and immorality. And he says, whosoever destroys the temple, that is to say, those that are gathering, you're corrupting that temple. It says, God shall destroy you. Think about that. Let that sit in. It says, whosoever destroys the temple of God, God shall destroy him. So think twice before you 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 want to 
fuse what you want, you know, in the house of God, thinking that it's fine. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> because, um, um, even even for the priest who had authority, see, um, but what what happened was um, was it um, Abihu and um, the other name is slipping my mind, but Abihu and and his brother offered up strange fire, and the Lord consumed them. Um. And so the offering up of strange fire was, and there's debate about what exactly that that was, um, but the point though was that they did something illegally in the house of God. <clears throat> so so, um, if you can do something illegally, that means you can do something that is legal, right? You, you can do something that is legal and illegal, but what's the standard? The standard always comes down to the word of the Lord. So go to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Let, let's go uh, verse, actually 1. This isn't my main, <coughs> this isn't the main focus that I have um, here in this text. Um, we'll we'll uh, travel down to... Um, um, some other uh, other verses there in the chapter, but I want to just give a little more context. And um, <laughs> I'm sorry that I have to laugh, but um, recently I had this um, this uh, black Hebrew Israelite that uh, thinks he's a Jew, but he ain't no Jew. Um, he has a he has a lost identity and he wants to steal another person's identity. And the fact is that, uh, those in Israel, they're Jews. And, uh, it doesn't matter just because, you know, I, 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 I shout loud enough at people, um, or, you know, I twist scripture and say, I'm actually ethnically a Jew. It doesn't matter how, I don't say that until I'm bloom in the face and say it very loud or intimidate people on a street corner like they often do, right? And bully the naive and the ignorant who don't know the scriptures, right? It doesn't make me a Jew. It it, it just doesn't. So, but anyways, um, uh, this individual was saying some some stuff that, that is taken out of context. Um, this goes to show, you know, that, that context is vital. It's indispensable. We can't just say... You know, this text exists in a vacuum. This text is floating in midair with nothing to stand on or nothing to define it. Everything should be taken in its proper context. Amen? Because if we don't have proper context, we have a pretext. Right? It's a little cliche, but they say if you take the text out of context, you're left with a con. So you have con artists like the black Hebrew Israelites, right? Um, the, let me just say this. Mark those people. They're heretics. They are racist, hate-filled heretics. Uh, because they say only... Now, there's different sects within Hebrew uh, Israelite doctrine. Some say, uh, some debate about who are the true Jews, 
right? But but here's the deal. They're all agreed upon the fact that they'll say that, you know, um, um, the, they all say that the they, they refer to what they would call Edomites or, um, yeah, Edomites they'll say are the so-called white man, right? And, and they're, you know, those that are rejected by God and God hates them. Okay, and so that they cannot be saved, or some say that they can be saved, but they will be servants of the of the Hebrew Israelites in in the world to come. Um, but others, but but some will say that you know um, that Mexicans, blacks, um, and that, not all, the only certain African groups, not all of them, um, and certain Indians. Um, and, and other groups are only those that can be saved. But we know that the gospel says that every tribe, every tongue, and every nation can be saved, right? And so, so away with this sectarian, racist doctrine that excludes the availability to the gospel to, <coughs> to a certain ethnicity. <coughs> what does it say in Galatians? There's neither Greek nor Jew. And you just really have to ignore all of the book of Acts to get it to say that God is only purpose to save Jews. Even if I were to grant the premise that you're a Jew. Okay, yeah, yada, yada, whatever. Okay, you're a Jew. I'll, which, it's not true, but let's just for argument's sake, let's entertain that idea. Um, in the book of Acts, you have to ignore all of it. You know, for example, uh, Cornelius, who was after the Italian cohort. Italian cohort. And yet he got saved. And Peter says, oh man, who am I to stand in the way of God? He has accepted the Gentiles. And he is attested to this by virtue of the fact that he's poured out his spirit and, and, and he's speaking in tongues. Who am I to stand in the way of God? So what... What those he so-called, they like to say the so-called white men. Well, the so-called Hebrews, what they like to do is take the text out of context and they're cons. They're con artists. They're, they're imposters. And they're proclaiming a false gospel and let them be anathema. That is to say in Greek, cursed by God. That's what Paul said in Galatians. And so I say to them, you're cursed because um, it's another gospel. And that's what Paul said when Peter was refusing to eat with the Gentiles because he was afraid of the Jews. And he says, I thought you were a Jew. Okay, so if you're a Jew, then how come you're eating with, how, how come you refuse to eat with them when other Jews come in? Oh, you're a coward. You're scared. He says, no, I rebuked him to his face and I would have none of it. That's what Paul said. Okay, so... And yet, they punk and they bully people who don't know their Bibles. And they try to pretend an identity whose language you can't even speak. They have no scholars in their camps. And you know, the, you know he said something about, um, he says, oh yeah, I read scholars. I said, quote five of them. Tell me. who. And he only named Dr. Michael Brown. I said, I know why you're quoting Dr. Michael Brown, because he speaks... I said, you troll him because he speaks the language that you guys claim the identity to that you can't speak 
And he refutes you guys. And I guarantee you've never read any of his books. I said, good, one down and four more to go. But, but, but my point, though, is this. You can get the Bible to say whatever you want when you play linguistical, theological gymnastics and bend over backwards to try to get it to say something that it don't say. Okay, so so why is context important? Is because that it, it it dictates what those words, what those sentences, what those paragraphs mean in the larger um, sphere, and then excuse me, that that chapter then means something in that book. That book means something in that testament. And that testament means something in both testaments. And those both testaments mean something in the overarching meta narrative of the scriptures. Okay, so it's 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 trying to the whole book is saying one message. And it's trying to convey something to humanity. And then you define that more and more and more and more and more. And so <clears throat> um but look, it says, First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Okay? Okay, but where are the demons? You can't see them. You know where they're at? They're, they're among the Hebrew Israelites. That's where they're at. They're among the Mormons. They're among the Muslims. They're among the Jews who deny the Christ. They're among many different groups. And you know what? I'll go so far to say this. They're, they're among those TV shows you watch that are propagating or news channels that are propagating these uh, false ideas, false identities, false worldviews. And so don't think that just because you're not reading an, uh, a, a thesis on a particular philosophy or you're not reading Friedrich Nietzsche or Plato, if you're not reading uh, 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 the Quran or reading some so-called holy book or book that refutes a holy book, you're still feeding on philosophies and that's where you ultimately have to determine the source, right, <coughs> over against the, the sacred scriptures, Amen. Over against the word of God. Amen. The word of God is the infallible rule of faith. I don't care what this bogus dude said, this or that, or what, you know, I'm sure you guys recently heard of Carlton Pearson, uh, who recently died. And uh, I, I don't know for the life of me why um, the Christian uh, Broadcasting Network, CBN, happened to... Uh, um, commemorate his de uh, his death uh, because the Bible says that the, the name of the uh, wicked shall rot but the name of the just is blessed and the man was an uh, uh, um, uh, 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 he was a heretic he, he believed in universalism that even the devil will get saved and, and he was open to homosexuality and, and so many different practices and and he, he he was not always like that. Well, at least publicly, he was not always like that. Um, maybe he was just in the closet as as far as those false doctrines were concerned from the gate. But um, you know, he he uh, came. He started preaching false doctrines, <coughs> and, 
Um, but my point, though, is that demons are using people as mouthpieces. Okay, because they need these vessels to influence. They need vessels to indoctrinate. Um, and and uh, they do it through... Uh, let me say this. Some of them are intellectual, but I, I think the least, the people that you have to fear the least are the intellectuals. And here's the reason why. The vast majority of people are not motivated, are not persuaded by intellect in argument. Argument is the domain of Christianity because the arguments are always on our side. I'm not saying that they don't try to use arguments, but Christians should not be afraid of argumentation. I'm not saying have an argumentative spirit or shout at each other. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying tick for tack. Uh, this is my premise and conclusion. I've derived that from this bit of evidence, and and then you have an opponent, and and you and, and to seek for truth. Argument is not something to be afraid of because the argument, the truth, is always on the Christian side. Like Charles Spurgeon says, the, the the word of God is a lion. Just let it out, and it'll rip people to shreds. You don't need to defend it. Right now, I'm not saying don't contend for the faith, but the point though is that there's power in the Word of God, <coughs> and truth is on our side. But the 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 thing is that the majority of the people are influenced by emotion. That's why you you can get all these um, rallies of individuals, right, at gay pride parades with a, with a rainbow flag that are not even gay. And the reason why is because they're held sway by what the populace is telling them to think. And they don't give good argument. You know, I remember when I used to work in the high school, I, I, I was asking one of the students and they said, you know, oh, you know, they were talking about, uh, um, I guess, a friend of theirs that was, was homosexual. And, and let me say this. I'm not saying that we hate these people. I'm not saying that. But it's a sin that is is in violation to the word of God, just as much as fornication or marital infidelity is so we show no partiality what is against the word of god is against the word of god no matter what sin it is okay and so but but um um and without even using the scriptures i asked them this question i said is love the standard that we should pursue they said yes okay I said, is it fair to say that love always advocates for, fights, and contends for um, the, the continuity of life? And that anything that would stifle, hinder, or obstruct that, or oppose that, is something that we should reject? So, yes. I said, is it fair to say that... Um, well, that assumes the assumption uh, that that carries the assumption that human life is valuable. Therefore, we want to continue human life. It's like yes. Well, can you continue human life through homosexual relations? And then the light went on. Ta-da! No, you can't, because humanity will con will cease to exist if the majority, if everybody was homosexual. You will have no reproduction of life, and therefore you are hindering the continuity of life. And so the fact is the homosexuals have to rely upon heterosexuals so they can continue in a life that they want to, prop, uh, uh, that they want to live. Does that make sense?
But it says, the Spirit clearly says in latter times some will abandon the faith. Not all abandon the faith. There's always a remnant. But they're abandoning, and the faith is defined what the apostles have have written down, what Jesus has said, and what the, the scriptures in the Old Testament say. Because they're substantiating, they're rooting all of their doctrines in the Old Testament. Now, um, this is a side note. That is not saying that the law of Moses is still in, in, in operation today. Um, there is a vast difference between those two ideas, okay? And so, um, but nonetheless, because the Bible says that the, the, we're no longer under the Mosaic covenant, okay? But the point, though, that I'm, I'm saying is that the, the scriptures, um, the, the New Testament scriptures root their doctrine in what the Mosaic law had foretold. Okay? And so Paul isn't doing his theology in a vacuum. They're not just plucking ideas from thin air. Okay? Um, Okay, so, but nonetheless, it says, (coughs) verse 2, such teachings come through hypocritical liars. So, where are they coming through? Okay, so there are doctrines of demons. There's spirits roaming around, whispering in people's ears. Hey, say that. You know, you got a large following. You know, uh, hey, use this Instagram Reels clickbait. (laughs) So you can deceive more people. But it's coming through hypocritical liars. Okay, so first of all, they're hypocrites. (laughs) like the Pharisees, like the Sadducees, right? Um, You know, Jesus says they sit in Moses' seat, but they don't do what Moses said. Therefore, do what they say, but do not do what they do. That's what Jesus said. Now, he said that in a context because some things the Pharisees said were accurate. Not everything. Um, and, And so, but they're hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. You know, what happens through lying, lying to self and lying to others, you soon believe that the lie, that the lie is the truth. And so you sear your conscience, right, with, with this state of mind that, that is, is a mindset. See, just because a thought enters your head doesn't mean that you formed a mindset. Okay, let, let me let me put it this way. If if I say something to you, okay, and you have a self-reflection, but your mind doesn't change. It's similar to me going on my MacBook, right, going on Word, and and then when I'm on uh, Microsoft Word, I'm writing something out in the font Times New Roman. Okay, all right, but but let's say I change it to that, but the setting is a different font. If I close my laptop and I return back to Microsoft Word, it's no longer going to use Times New Roman. It will continue to go back to the default. 
That's how mindsets are. Thoughts enter your head, and, and you, you, you might have a split second where you're reflecting and stuff, or you might even try to change, but you don't change because the mindset hasn't. And, and well, in the case of these hypocritical liars, their minds have been seared with a hot iron, so their warped thinking is their default setting. You know why? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> that God has given us his spirit so that we may freely know the mind of God. Okay? And so we have access to the mind of God through the Holy Spirit, but these hypocritical liars, however, are influenced not by the Spirit, but they are influenced by demons. And this is why in Judas says they have not the Spirit and they are sensual. Right? In fact, uh, we'll go back to First uh, uh, Timothy, but I want us to quickly turn to Jude. <coughs> Excuse me one second. Let me try to find this verse. Uh, Jude chapter, well, there's only one chapter. So verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. Now, well, I'll just keep reading. So they're following what? Their own ungodly desires. They're not following the desires of God. Like Paul says, they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Or rather than lovers of God. So they don't even love God. They love their own desires. And desires are not bad, but our desires must be godly. Okay? So these are the people who divide you. So how does the division... See, remember... I'm not so concerned about Muslims. Yeah, they should be they should be marked and their teachings are false, but they're out. You're not going to see them in a church. They don't bring much division. They're not very they're they're, they're very successful in in <clears throat> warping the minds of those who believe not already. But these people, however, are infiltrating and they're dividing. It says who follow natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Okay? So there are people, there will be people in the midst who don't have the spirit. Okay? And so if you don't have the Holy Spirit, how can you be led by the spirit and therefore please God? So everything you're going to do is going to be displeasing to God and and and, and factious and divisive and, and contrary to the people of God. Okay, so it says these are people who divide you, right? And so, but notice though, <clears throat> you know, this is what I've always wondered when I was um, when I was first saved, and I, I began to notice people weren't in it for real. I was like, why would you want to be in church in the beginning? Like, why, like, why, why aren't you out clubbing or like? If you ain't saved or you ain't really about the life, then why are you even here in the first place? This is the last place I wanted to be when I was in the world. Never occurred to me. 
To me, it was lame. You know, it, it just, it, you know, even when I was searching for God, they invited me to a youth camp. And I, I, I just tell you, like, me, they're like, oh, we're going to sleep in the cabin. And I was just thinking, man, I'm going to kick it with a bunch of dudes and sleep in a cabin with them. That sounds stupid. I don't want to do that. <laughs> for what? <laughs> I don't know. But, of course, I got saved and it's like, okay, well, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I got saved the first night there, and it's like, I'm glad that I came. Um, exceeding glad. My life has changed now since then. Um, but, <clears throat> they're scoffers. You know what scoffers do? Scoffers mock, and they're just like those in Acts too. They're around all those that are spiritual, but they mock spiritual things. They say, oh, they're drunk. Okay. Um, but but notice, though, again, they, they are, they're not following the Spirit. <coughs> they're, they're following natural instincts. So they're following the five senses. I'm not saying that uh, the five senses are bad. It's just that we cannot be dominated by the five senses. <clears throat> so, so, um, what is superior is the, the Holy Ghost and, and that sense, because he, he, he provides senses, he provides sensations, he provides impulses, he provides conveyance and communication, and we have to be sensitive to yield to that. Amen. <clears throat> But look at what it says. Um, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods. You know, this don't make too much sense to Americans. You know, because... Ooh, this, was a, this was a false doctrine that was infiltrating their times. Um, I'm not saying that it doesn't exist at all in America, but, but by and large... Um, we, we, we've swung on the other side of the pendulum, not liberalism, but as far as religion is concerned. Uh, we, excuse me, we haven't swung to the side of the pendulum of religious legalism. We're more amongst the religious liberals, both politically and, um, and theologically, <clears throat> right? So, so, but here's the thing, though. Both legalism and liberalism are dangerous doctrines, and so marriage is not to be forbidden. In fact, you know, you, you have people out there, even sadly Christian groups, in the, that they don't necessarily command people to abstain from marriage, but it is so discouraged. Um, but, you know, here in this fellowship, I greatly encourage marriage because that is the way that we will populate godly offspring. <clears throat> that is the way we will take dominion. That is the way. And here's the thing, you know, uh, especially ladies, one of the most fulfilling things you will do is have a child. <clears throat> so stop believing the stupid lie that the goal is to climb up the corporate ladder and be childless and without a husband. 
I'm not saying that that celibacy, that call of celibacy isn't for some. It is for some. And we make room for that. And we affirm that. But make sure that that is called by God and not by some pink-haired, pink-short-haired, naive, indoctrinated ideologue in the in Harvard or somewhere. Amen. Pumping you with this um, false identity. Right? She she she's forty five years old with pink short hair and piercings and 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 loves her cat more than she loves human beings. <laughs> that describes almost all of these um, liberal teachers. And then she goes on her rants <clears throat> about good conservative voices. Why? Because I've had those teachers. I debated one of them. <laughs> you know, because I remember one time, because the, 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 the topic of abortion came up, and she would, the interesting thing, she would be like, you know, well, this is America, and, and we have the freedom of rights, and, and she would always, uh, excuse me, the freedom of speech, and when abortion came up, she said, it's a woman's right. I said, I said, do we have the freedom of speech? She's like, yes. I said, okay, well, I object to that, and here's the reason why. And are you sure you're not going to stifle me after I've just said this because I have the freedom to speak? Because <laughs> I knew she wanted to shut me up. So I set her up for that trap. <laughs> uh well, because you're not going to shove that crap down my throat and then expect me to shut up about it. No, I'm not going to sit silent and at ease in Zion while babies are being murdered. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. So, <clears throat> um, so we, we affirm those that, you know, I encourage... Uh, marriage, obviously, waiting on God, um, that doesn't mean don't be proactive. Um, <clears throat> it just means to, as you're being proactive, you know, that means that you're in preparation, that you're doing what you can to make sure that you, you are, you are ready for that. You know, um, Especially having children, you, you have to think outside of yourself. You have, you have to be selfless because it's no longer about just you. You don't just get to go wherever you want. You just don't. You can't just up and out the house and not even tell your, your spouse. Like you, you got someone that you are responsible to and responsible for. <clears throat> I just, sadly, I just recently had... Um, you know, I, I learned that this brother uh, that I knew for um, for a long time now, um, his wife just walked out on him and, and just left him a note on the counter said, I can't do this anymore, and left. And uh, they have been married for many years, and they have children. So she left behind three kids and a husband to do everything on his own. And she had claimed to be a Christian. They ain't no Christian. You don't know God. I gotta fulfill my desires. 
Well, maybe you should have thought about that before you got married, right? Yeah, the, the, the desires that the devil gave you because you because you keep listening to demons through your soap operas and your novellas and all these other things, right? That, that are telling you, oh yeah, you, you, you need to do, you need to be somewhere else with someone else doing something else. And there's the serpent. And you know, the interesting thing is, you know, it all began when, when uh, she stopped going to church. So, so what happens is when you're not confronted with godly biblical truth, right? When people start to veer away from the light and from, 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 authority and from accountability and submission to godly authority what ha- it, the reason for that is because they're searching for darkness when those who are in dark go to the house of god and say preacher preach to me what is the way of salvation they're searching for the light it says the gentiles have seen a great light right so <clears throat> but God's chosen, it's not long before their God's frozen. And so they no longer are looking for the light. They say, you know what, uh, this light stuff's a little bit boring. I think I'm going to go in a, on a quest for darkness. Let me, let me go search that out. Let me see how that, 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 that'll do for my life. I th- but see, Bible says, The entrance of thy word giveth light. It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119. So when you stop hearing the word of God preach, you stop reading the word of God, you stop praying, right? You stop, you're on a slippery slope declining into darkness. And that darkness will encroach upon you with greater degrees. And uh, you will only want to go a centimeter, but the devil will take you five miles. Amen, amen. Um, An apostle that I know, uh, whom I had uh, helped to pioneer a church, uh, with uh, <clears throat> years back, unfortunately, the one that fathered him in the faith is in a completely backslidden state. And uh, <clears throat> he had pioneered several churches. And um, and um, he is an apostle too, but um, he, he, he um, his his marriage came in shambles because he went with some other lady. Um, lost his kids. He's all alone, miserable, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And I was told that he can't even uh, render coherent uh, uh, responses because he's so out of it. He's like a Nebuchadnezzar uh, feasting on grass. He can't find his way back to God. He's drugged up. <clears throat> and I said, brother, that is scary. You know why? Because teachers undergo a stricter judgment. Someone who was not a teacher of the Lord, they could have done that and they would have been back in a month. Oh, not for, not for, sadly. And, and I say that with sobriety of heart. It is a fearful thing for me. Uh, teachers of the Lord are judged more strictly. People say, oh, that's just in the life to come. No, it's in the life now. Um, Some of the worst stories I've heard were pastors who slip back and and a small percentage find their way back. 
it is it is a fearful thing and so i don't want to play what does it say in proverbs can a man scoop fire in his bosom and not be burnt you know that's why you got all these parkour guys out there playing with fire jumping from building like don't you got kids or a wife or no you don't that's why you're playing stupid games <clears throat> you know, there are things that are impressive, you know, when people skate and bike and stuff like that, but there's there's a certain threshold where it's, you're stupid. You're just asking for... It's impressive, but I'm so offended by your stupidity that I'm not even going to applaud you or, or react to this video. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm offended by people's stupidity. It's like, man... But... But anyways, um, <clears throat> but look, look, let me say this, I, I, and, and it has to be said again and again, marriage is a beautiful thing, and we have to, we have to <clears throat> encourage that, you know, because what are they, the Muslims doing? Do you think that their homes are being broke? I'm not saying that there aren't any divorces, I'm not saying that. I'm sure they have their problems, but you know what? Those Muslim women stick to the men far much more than American women do. You know why? Because American women are listening to garbage. They're listening to trash. They're listening to what when and I'm not saying that Muslim women are are um have a uh, a uh, a truthful belief. But but you you especially in the Middle East, that family unit sticks together. They believe in generational wealth. Why do you think so many of them are wealthy? <clears throat> Why do you think someone, so much of them believe in obtaining land? I'm not, I'm not arguing that Israel is their land. But they, you know what? They have this ethos, this, 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 this sub-mindset that, that is so passionate about land because they're passionate about offspring. They're passionate about a wealth. They're passionate about their their culture. They're passionate about protecting it, not dismantling it and destroying it. <coughs> Do you see that? You know, uh, unlike in our urban neighborhoods. Good luck. Okay, what are you protecting? Protecting the block? That's stupid. What killing your own people and drive by shootings and for gang colors? Right. But you, but guess who's behind a lot of that? <clears throat> a lot of the wealthy white men and Jews. Kanye West is right when he says a lot of these people own the record labels. Why do you think they're pushing that narrative out? They're the wealthiest and the most elite people in the world. And they're not black faces. They're not Mexican faces. But they're telling that to Mexicans... Uh, or any Hispanics for that matter, and blacks. And so what you see is this, this, and then it destroys the fabric of the, of, of the family, of the culture, of the neighborhood, and then you're, you, you, good luck. What, what needs to arise, <clears throat> but look it, look it, pay attention to what's being said. And pay attention to who's saying it. It's always the short, pink-haired white lady that is propagating the, the, the liberal ideologies saying, oh, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, America is systemically racist. And then, oh, you know what else is racist too? The family unit. Let's break that up too. That's racist. We'll just pull the racist card or the your judging card or every card for everything. And so now everybody, you know, is believing this and they persecute you if you don't believe it. <coughs> Why? <clears throat> because they want to control the family. They want to control the school. They want to control the church. They want to control businesses. They want to control it all. Or they pull the homophobic card or the transphobic or the, they say, you don't belong in this gayberhood. <laughs> I don't want to belong in this gayberhood. It's gay. This is gay. <laughs> you gay. Even if you ain't gay, you gay. <laughs> we were able to use that word back in our day. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I got fired for it. <laughs> Or not get written up for a citation, right? <laughs> but my point is this. Um, <clears throat> these need to be our neighborhoods. We need, we, we need to gospelize. We, we, we need to Christianize this. But you know, <clears throat> it doesn't happen when the family's broken up. And it doesn't happen when you ladies marry a deadbeat guy. You need a strong leader who has a godly vision, who is competent, adequate to lead both you and your family. So when, when so, <clears throat> and and then, and then what the family needs, because the 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 father is the priest of the home. Amen. If anything happens to the child, the father is accountable for that. He's judged for that. Let me say this bit of advice. I don't care what your culture says. I don't care what your upbringing says. You don't allow your kid just to to, to spend the night anywhere, even if it's family. The majority, the vast majority of molestations occur with friends and family, not strangers. So this whole spending the night business and all of that, don't be deceived by that. Okay, you know, don't take my word for it. But if you happen to be the one, um, you're going to feel a lot of regret and you're accountable for that. Does that make sense? I don't care what, what... um, other other parents say, I don't care what, what my family said. I don't care what the ethics of my family are. The heck with those ethics. What dictates my, my judgment is the word of God. I don't care even what my dad says. I don't care. I'm the priest of my home. I'm the head of my home. God ain't going to judge you for how I run my home. God is going to judge me how I run my home. <clears throat> Okay, and so so in this home, there is no abuse. There is freedom. There is peace. There is security. There is protection. You know, one of the most amazing things I just love my son. The, the other last night, you know, he was, he was feeling my face and my hair, and he just and and he's just saying 
he loves me. Children don't do that with parents who are abusive and who are fickle and are unstable and are mad at them for no good reason. And use them as punching bags and take their anger out on them. <clears throat> See, fathers need, fathers need to reflect the character of God. God doesn't get angry at you for no reason. He doesn't get quickly uh, angered. And he doesn't, he, 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 you know, he's not out to punish you. <clears throat> right? I'm not saying he don't discipline you because that, that happens. But even in that, he's very patient. Right? And he loves. Um, my my, <clears throat> my wife told me that uh, when they went out um, the other day, um, she noticed this mom um, that told, because a kid was asking for something. He was a little boy, or and he was asking his mom something. Then she was saying, basically, when are you going to shut the beep up? That That's ugly. You don't tell your kids that. And, and the true test of your character is when you're in power and how you, how you act. <clears throat> right? So, so you, you don't just tell them that stuff that, because you, you silence their mouth, they're going to be heard somewhere else. If they can't be heard by you, they'll, they'll find somewhere to be heard. And, and it might be with the street thug, the gangbanger, or the little, little, uh, Lily or, uh, Priscilla or who, who whatever her, uh, you know, the daughter's name is becomes promiscuous and start being heard by men. And now she, now you, you can't, you can't control her. You can't tame her. Maybe she won't listen because you're jacked up and you messed her up. So, so this is why it is important that, that the parents get healthy. But here's the thing. <coughs> Children are submitted, and the wife is submitted to the, the man. But here's the thing, the, the husband, the father. But he is not without accountability. He should be submitted to the religious authority, the pastoral authority. See, you know, fathers love, oh, you know, I get to call the shot. Okay, but who are you answering to? So you, you just get to make rules and you don't answer to nobody? Not not saying that pastors dictate how homes are, but there's that 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 moral accountability and that spiritual accountability. Does that make sense? And so in order for us to have good homes, we need good leaders. Right? The the child and the, the wife is submitted to the husband, but the husband is submitted to the elders and the man of God over the house of God. Once again, I'm not saying that they say how they run the home. That's that's not how it works. I'm saying that means if there's if there's a problem in the marriage, they should go there to the man of God. They should go to right? And and that husband, because men are so proud, they don't like to listen to other men. 
by and large. I'm not saying every man is like that, but by and large, they don't like listening to other men. So they'll just tune out their ears. That's why, if you notice, the vast majority of what makes up a church, I guarantee you, is all women. Always the case. It don't matter if you're it don't matter if you're in America, it don't matter if you're in the West or you're in the East. Go and check. Keep your eyes peeled next time. The vast majority are all females. The reason why, because a lot of times men have so much pride that they don't want to be told what to do. Right? <clears throat> when women, however, have the natural proclivity to be led. When males are supposed to be leaders, but what happens when the leader needs to be led? Can you humble yourself? Because you can't be a good leader until you've been led. Right? And so, so that's why even the king, the, the, the absolute monarch in, in the time of Israel, he always, who, who checked and balanced him? Yet yeah, he had advisories, but the man of God, the prophet, who says, Thus saith the Lord, get, the, get your house in check. You know, the great King David could have anyone's head on the platter. But Nathan came in and says, oh, <clears throat> very tactfully too. You know, there, oh, King, there was a man. He had all these sheep. Then he had taken this little eeled lamb from this impoverished man. And he had taken it his own. He says, what shall be done to him? It's like, that man needs to be killed. He says, that man, O king, is you. You have taken another man's wife. And he says, I, I, he, I repent. Right? And so, but the point, though, is this. That, that there was that prophetic accountability that even the monarch had. So, but here's the deal. You know, we need to heal the family unit we need to heal the marriages, and we need to heal the leadership in the churches. And if we do that, the nation will turn. But see, right now, what we got are a bunch of uh, 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 ideologues destroying the fabric our nation of our nation by destroying the family, destroying the marriages, destroying the churches. <coughs> <clears throat> let, let me show you this real quick. We'll, we'll go back. Go to Joel uh, <clears throat> chapter um, where's this at? Uh, Joel chapter uh, 1, verse 13. Hope you guys are learning something. <clears throat> Put on sackcloth, you priests, and mourn. <clears throat> Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come spend the night in sackcloth, you who minister before my God. For the grain offerings and drink offerings. 
are withheld from the house of your God, declare a holy fast, call him a sacred call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God, and cry to the Lord, Alas for that day. For the day of the Lord is near, it will come like destruction from the Almighty. <clears throat> Has not the food been cut off before our eyes, joined gladness from the house of our God? The seeds are shriveled beneath the clods. The storehouses are in ruins. The granaries have been broken down, for the grain has dried up. How the cattle moan, the herds mill about, <clears throat> because they have no pasture. Even the flocks of sheep are suffering. Um, to you, Lord, I called, for fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness, and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. We'll stop there. But the point, though, is this. We can keep reading, but the idea is that the way that God heals um, the land, it begins with the priests who are to call uh, call uh, solemn assemblies to repentance. Okay, and so what this indicates is that judgment first begins at the house of God. Does it not say that? And so... If the Lord turns around a nation, he does it in the by the church first through the elders that say, you know what, this is this is what needs to be done. We need to call repentance. We need to we need to um have identification repentance like Nehemiah did, like uh, uh or like Daniel did. He says, I repent on behalf of the sins of my forefathers and the nation. And and a lot of times people here in the West don't get that concept, but the Jews very much did. <clears throat> but but here's the thing. You know, like Leonard Ravenhill said, the church sleeps, uh, the, the world uh, uh, is dead in darkness while the church sleeps in the light. I don't know about you, I can't sleep in the light. I need darkness. But <clears throat> the world is dead while the church is sleeping uh, while the church is asleep in the light. And the world has lost its ways and the church has lost its voice. Because who are the voices of Christendom today? By and large, it's it's people who I'm not saying that there aren't good voices out there. But you know, <clears throat> there are a lot of churches out there that are scared to say things that are not politically correct. Oh, come on, somebody. They, they dare not touch the shrine and the golden calf of LGBT. Amen. <clears throat> they dare not touch the, the shrine of the, the uh, Marxism or this notion of of systemic uh, America being systemically racist. If you don't believe that, they will persecute you. Right? If you don't believe, um, if you don't believe LGBT, they will persecute you. And so this is why Vody Bauckham said, and rightfully so, we always, and when people do happen to speak up on it, we have a five, 15 minute disclaimer apologizing for us Having friends, you know, I love, I love them. I love gay people. 
So don't hear what I'm saying. Okay, but the, the I love that he pointed this out because it's so true. Why don't we do that about every other sin? We don't make a 15 disclaimer, 15 minute disclaimer apologizing for wife beaters or rapists. I love rapists. I got friends that are rapists. I don't got friends that are rapists. I don't, if you're a pastor and you have friends that are rapists and all this other stuff and all the heathen of the world, there's something questionable about you. Oh, but I thought the Bible says that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Yeah, sinners that left their way. And that term is used because that was how the Pharisees views, viewed those who were seeking healing from the physician. Hence why Jesus rebuked them. The sick need not a doctor, but a healthy person does. They were leaving their ways to follow him. <coughs> they weren't puffing on blunts, sniffing co cocaine, and, oh yeah, that, that was a good sermon, Jesus. <laughs> that, that's a good one. I gotta hear that one again on repeat. They weren't doing that. I, I, I tell you. So, so the point though I'm making is that we, we got, we got to reform the house of God. We have to reform the house of the Lord <clears throat> because there will be no revival until there's reformation. Reformation always precedes revival because fire without truth is only strange fire. It's zeal without knowledge. It's just, uh, you're more zealous going in the wrong direction. You're zeal going on the road to Damascus. Right? But you don't even, you, you don't know. Okay, so go go back to First uh, Timothy. <clears throat> Look what it says, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9. <clears throat> uh, so go to verse 9. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive. Now, I, remember what I said about context? Paul is not talking about everybody here. Paul is not writing to everybody here. I've said this a number of times, but it can be restated. that The book of Timothy is called the book of Timothy for a reason. And it's because it was written to Timothy. And um, <clears throat> let, let me uh, show you something real quick. Um, <clears throat> you don't have to turn there, but. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 2 says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, what you see is that Paul is giving instructions on worship. Paul is giving instructions on, on he's giving a, 
He's given instructions on what is called ecclesiology. In other words, he's giving uh, um, precepts and commands to Timothy on how the household of God is to be conducted. Okay? Ecclesiology is derived from the Greek word ecclesia, and that means church or assembly. So he's telling him, this is what it is supposed to look like. This is what you are to do. But notice, he didn't write that to all of them. He left Timothy at Ephesus in order to oversee that work that Paul was the father of. Does that make sense? Um. Excuse me. So, so this means that, um, excuse me one second. So, in fact, let me read that part too. First Timothy chapter one, verse three. I'm giving you the groundwork to, to, to set the authority, what's called in, in biblical studies called the authorial intent. In other words, when we want to understand a book, the last thing we do is, what is God saying to me? That's the last thing we do. I'm not saying that's the good way to obtain direction for your life. That's not the good way to understand the book that you are reading. So <clears throat> in order to properly exegete a passage, you have to ask the question, why did the author write this to begin with? And, and, and it's in, it would interest you to know that the author did not write to you. I say this time and time again. The scriptures were written for you. And it was not written to you. So it was written to Timothy. But we have to ask the question, Paul, why did you write to Timothy? Okay, so we need to stop with what Stephen Furtick always does, and it's narcissus, right? It's reading yourself into the text, right? <clears throat> Look, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Well, we'll start actually at verse 2. Just to further prove the point. To Timothy, my son, in the faith. That will preach all right there. Right? Because Paul is calling another man's son. That is not his biological father. So people need to stop with, oh, you know, uh, call, call no man father. They take that stuff out of context. I'm not even going to go into that because I don't want to veer into another discussion. Um, um, or don't call, you know, anyone's son or daughter or pastor or whatever. Um, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus. <clears throat> okay, so he's telling Timothy, he's not telling everybody. I remember I seen this video some time back. There was this young lady, and she rebuked all these elders. And I seen so many ignorant comments in the section, in the comment section, saying "Praise God, Amen, that's wonderful." By the way, it wasn't even because of any immorality. It was just because of they were talking about issues in the church, and she got on her soapbox and thought she was entitled to say. Uh, y'all are wrong. I know God. You don't know God. And went on this rant and tangent about how 
how she saw issue with the elders situating something in the church. She isn't in the position of authority to do that. But everybody was parading that. And that just shows you how far removed we are from a proper ecclesiological understanding. That is to say, we don't have proper ecclesiology. Um, Okay, and so um, that's like saying that my son can rebuke me in my home. That doesn't fly. That doesn't work. Um, That's like saying, even if my son is right, he don't have the authority to rebuke me. Um, Similar in the military. If if you're, what what is it called when you barely enter in, brother? E1 or what is it? Malachi? E3. E1 to E3 is like a grunt. Right, so... so Grunt, yeah, the grunt is someone who has no rank, like they're not even a sergeant or whatever. Okay, thank you. They cannot rebuke a general, even if they are right. They have to go through the proper protocol, right? To to right to if there's some form of grievance or I don't know how all that stuff works out exactly. But the the point though is that. Even if someone is right in their perspective in their complaint, there's a proper way you go about doing it. You don't have the authority to address it yourself. <clears throat> so, but but here's the deal. It says, um, it says, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Okay, so, so, excuse me. Who was given the command? Timothy was. Timothy was given the command. Now, let me... Um, let, let, me let me also show you this in Titus. I know that we're referencing so many passages, but the reason why I do this is to show you that I'm just not making stuff up. Oh, that sounds good. I'm going to get a squirt gun... And like Stephen Furtick and start squirting everybody for my sermon because it looks good. And get everybody hyped up. Oh, yeah. Right. And then get all these props. The heck with these props. That just distracts and derails from the word of the Lord. Why do I need a prop? Jesus didn't have props. Paul didn't have props. In fact, he says, I didn't come to you with persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit's power. Okay, so you come with your squirt guns. You know you know how the atheists and the agnostics and the witch and the gang members know that I'm a messenger sent from the Lord. It's not when I come with squirt guns and props. They could care less about that. Right? It's when I demonstrate the Spirit's power and they know uh, this isn't a, a, just an any old guy. Uh, I don't know how he knew all those things about my life. I didn't tell him. I don't even know him. So that was true. So what his message must be true. He's a messenger of truth. Oh, okay. So you're coming in, in, in the name of the Lord, right? So, so or when demons are cast out because they're being tormented by demons and hearing voices and stuff like that, they're not going to know that you're sent from God because you squirt them with a squirt gun or you're coming with some ghostbuster guns, right? 
Okay, so, so, but, um, I'm sorry, uh, go to Titus, but I, I'm referencing all these so that you, you know that it's there in the text, um, because I've, I've been reading this every day for, for 12 years now, so, um, and, and I praise God that he's helped me to be faithful in that, and, um, and after doing it for a while, you, you become very familiar with this. Um, <clears throat> but, um, look at what it says for, uh, Titus chapter one, verse five. <clears throat> now he, in verse four, he states that he's writing to his son, Titus. It's not, hence why it's called Titus, right? It's, it's not, um, so he says, verse five, the reason I left you, you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Okay? <clears throat> now, from verses 6 and following, to from um, you will find his qualifications of an elder. So someone can't just raise their hand, oh, I want to be an elder. Uh, that sounds like a cool project. Uh, sign me up for that. No, no, no. It's not something you sign up for. It's something you're called to. And this is precisely why it's important to have the prophetic office so the Spirit of God can reveal uh, to the prophets who is called for that. That's why when the prophets were gathered and they were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said to the prophets, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have for them. But what we have are, are self-generating ideas. Right, that are not confirmed nor established. Right, well, before the king was anointed, who anointed him? Samuel, right? So they who they were always anointed. Even if God called you to something, even though Aaron and his sons were called to priesthood, they had to have been anointed by Moses. This is why Paul told Timothy, uh, "Don't neglect that the gift that was given you through the laying on of my hands." Right, so <clears throat> we see the necessity for impartation, right, and not just for anybody. You you have people running around just place to place. Lay your hands on me. Lay your hands on me. Lay your hands on me. Don't do that. In fact, Paul said to Timothy, "Don't lay hands suddenly on anybody." So, anyways, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, where was I? Oh, yes. So he gives the qualifications for an elder. But then what, what does he say? Uh, verse 9. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. So someone taught him. He didn't just say, oh, you know, I taught myself. He didn't, he didn't say that. The elders were themselves taught. It says, so that he, who, who's the he there, can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So, so the the establishment of elders and offices is what brings order to the ecclesia. Okay, because if it didn't, then you could do without it. But Paul sees fit that it should not be without it. Right. Um, a church can no more be ran adequately and, and and soundly then a home can be governed without parents 
you have to understand that the imagery, the motif of son and father is given for a specific reason. Paul doesn't just say it to be poetic because he's in tune with his poetic side. So I'm going to just sound fancy and add fluff. No, he's saying that purposefully. And, 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 and so the, the, the imagery that is associated with that terminology should arise in your mind to give you context for what you should expect a spiritual father to be doing. Okay, well, if Paul said he's a father, right, and that he has sons, so then what does a father do, right? It, it's for tutelage, instruction, protection, all that stuff. Okay, for governance. Does that make sense? <clears throat> so, but notice though, the instruction is given to them to govern, to guide, and it's not just any old body. And that's where it's critical because what we're doing, the sad thing is, when you have untested leaders not testing other leaders, you get untested people that commit so many atrocities and abuses in the household of God so that people are now therefore repelled by leaders. I don't want anything to do with this stuff. And so so that that's that's terrible. That's bad. And we don't we don't go there. We we just because there are bad parents out in the world doesn't say doesn't mean that we should therefore take the position that there should be no parents from here on out. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because you've been abused in a marriage doesn't mean that you throw marriage out the window. Just because you've had bad parents don't mean you throw parenthood out the window. Just because you've seen bad police officers doesn't mean that you uh, develop this... Um, um, defund the police agenda, right? Oh, you know, we should have an anarchy. Let's defund the police. The heck with the police, right? <clears throat> because then what you then fall into is the devil's trap. Right? <clears throat> or is this, is this going over our heads or we don't like this? This is why I show you verse by verse, so you, 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 that that excuse to say, oh, you're making this stuff up, can't be leveraged. It's, it's here in the text. And the reason why I want us to pay careful attention to these nuances and specific details is because the importance is in the details. And, and when someone wants to deceive you, they do not want you to pay attention to details. That's that's why if you've ever been in a bad relationship, they don't want you to read the details in their phone. Just saying. Am, am I lying? They say, no, no, just believe me. You don't have to read the phone. You don't have to read the Bible. Just put that away. Stick to your PowerPoint sermon. Let's stick there. Or let me just preach you into, you know, preach you hyped up in the Bible, says, <laughs> in the last days, <laughs> you know, and just, the, but we never get to the text, right? It's just emotion. Um, 
Look, look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter four, uh, verses one. <clears throat> this then is how you ought to regard us. Okay, Paul is writing. He's telling the Corinthians this. He doesn't say if you feel like it, pray about it, brother. You know, hey, you know, you know what? Fast about it. He doesn't say that. He says this. Is that an imperative statement? So in in, in English, you have four statements, right? Declarative, interrogative, imperative. Um, indicative. This is an imperative statement that suggests do this. This is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. So the entrusting have gone to them. Okay. Um, now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Now, this goes right back to Titus, right? Chapter uh, 1, verses 5 and following, where he gives the qualifications for an elder. This is also found in First Timothy, gives qualifications for elders and deacons and overseers, so on and so forth. Okay, so someone can't just go on Instagram and say, you know, people need to listen to me. And and then they 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 uh, hack the algorithm and use a bunch of clickbait and then they got a large following, and now they're they're entrapped, uh, or or they they're paying heed to an individual who is is toxic and has never been tested, <clears throat> right? Um, for, for the same reason that you don't see uh, teachers go, you know, at least here in America, and uh, uh, teach a grade and and. They haven't passed state qualifications, right? There's a standard. Does that make sense? And there's a background check. There's all of that, okay? And so we need to have scrutiny, not harsh judgment, but scrutiny of those who claim to speak in the name of the Lord, that they they have to be reputable. Does that make sense? <clears throat> but look what it says I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court indeed I do not even judge myself my conscience is clear that does not make me innocent it is the Lord who judges me um, let, let us go down to verse 14 so I, I, I read that so that you understand that Paul himself look Paul, yes, he got caught up in the third heaven. Paul got knocked off the horse uh, or whatever he was on, uh, on his uh, way to, you know, on the road to Damascus, right? And uh, the prophet then had, you know, laid hands on him, uh, prayed for him, scales fell from his eyes, got baptized, called in the name of the Lord. Uh, but here's the thing. Paul consulted not immediately, as Galatians says, but he consulted nevertheless with the mother church in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and the Bible says that, that you know, he was recognized. At first, they were a bit timid and afraid. Like, wasn't this man just persecuting us? Okay, 
but here's the deal. Even Paul, with all his religious pedigree, didn't disregard that. He submitted himself to that. And even before he was uh, 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 launched out into uh, his missionary journey, he had hands laid on him by the prophets and the Lord set him apart. And so that work was confirmed. Does that make sense? But today we want to bypass that. <clears throat> it's kind of like the guy who don't know how to rap, right? But he's inspired because he listened to Tupac. Now he skips every step. And he, just because he got money, he paid, he puts, he's like, hey, you know, just whip me up something. I, I, I think I can rap again. I think I can do this. Didn't study, doesn't have a good vocabulary, doesn't have a good vision, doesn't have support, wasn't trained. Does that make sense? Amen. <clears throat> so, so, so Paul wasn't just a, 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 a lone ranger guy. Okay, so, so, but look, if you go to verse 14, it says, um, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers from Christ Jesus. I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me or some translations to follow me. Um, so let, let's, let's put this in language. So you're following Paul. You're following a man. That's like a cuss word today in Christianity. I don't follow no man. I follow, I follow God. Okay, but here's the deal. A lot of those same people want others to follow them when they say in the comment section, don't follow a man and you don't need anybody to teach you. Okay, well, why do I need you to teach me that I don't need anybody to teach me? Why didn't God just reveal that to me? Why didn't the angel Gabriel come down and tell me that? Why did I need a man to teach me that I don't need a man to teach me? Woohoo. Uh it's a self-refuting statement. It's it's self self-negating. Right? But but we don't like that. But but it, it's like what I pointed out how Paul said all Cretans are liars. That even among themselves a Cretan has said all Cretans are liars. So if a Cretan has said all Cretans are liars, does that make the Cretan himself a liar? And the, therefore the statement is false? It's a vicious circle. Right? So so Paul is saying, imitate me. Now he's not saying imitate someone that is living a lawless life or a godless life. Right? So I have no shame to say that I follow someone. I I that I'm submitted to someone. That I'm fathered by someone. I've been raised up by someone. I, I have no shame in saying that. Who his has himself been fathered and raised up by a reputable man, a reputable apostle, who is himself fathered, right? Who was who is himself fathered, right? <clears throat> and 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 um. So I, I I'm I'm hold on my. 
thought my internet cut out for a little bit. And so, you know, and, and I'm, I'm thankful to God for that. Um, and, um, uh, you know, so <clears throat> I, I, I know some of you guys are aware, but you know, if you guys ever heard Smith Wigglesworth, he fathered Lester Summerall and Lester Summerall, uh, prophet Cobus and prophet Cobus, apostle Ricardo, apostle Ricardo, prophet James and prophet James me. So that's, that's my spiritual lineage. And, and I, I'm proud of that because, these are generals in the faith that are known and recognized. And some, obviously, they have gone on and to be with the Lord in, you know, time past. But the case, though, is that, uh, you know, it's not it's not uh, done in a vacuum. It's not, oh, you know, this sounds like a cool project. Let me let me undertake this real quick. Is that understood? So, <clears throat> um. Is it is does this make sense? I, I don't <laughs> the the twelve were discipled by Jesus. <clears throat> so when you say you're <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus is not here anymore. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is not here. The Holy Spirit is here. But even the twelve and then those who proceeded after. And and thank God, this is why we, you know, for example, even uh, Paul, he, 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 he um, discipled Clement, and Clement was a successor of him. Right? Uh, uh, John discipled Polycarp, and Polycarp was a, a, um, a successor to Paul. And then, and then it just goes on. Um, and then I believe from Polycarp, Irenaeus, and Athanasius. And then the succession continues. So, so my point, though, is that they they did not uh, um, disregard that. Even the early church, the patristic fathers understood this concept. And if you read the patristic fathers, you see it pervaded all throughout their literature. You, you read the Didache, you read Athanasius, you read Irenaeus, you read Polycarp, Clement of Rome, uh, Chrysostom. Um, <clears throat> not saying that uh, the patristic writings are on par with scripture, but nevertheless, it gives us keen insight into how they understood the ecclesia. They had a proper ecclesiological understanding, right? So, um, but look what it says. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent you to Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is a faith, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul is not a hypocritical liar. He's warning you about in Timothy, whose consciences are seared, who are teaching doctrines of demons. He says, no, this sound doctrine what is he saying? First Corinthians, that which I uh, this which I delivered unto you, I have received uh, from the Lord, that Christ was crucified and was buried, right? And so, so he ha he is delivering, he is submitting to them what was delivered unto him, or like it says in First Thessalonians, this we say by the word of the Lord. 
So Paul is not saying anything that is contrary to the hope of Israel or contrary to that which Jesus had taught. He is very much obeying the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to teach, to make disciples. Notice that commission was not given to everybody. It was given to the fivefold to make disciples of all nations and that they would teach them all things that Jesus has commanded. Okay? So so that 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 is that's how that works there. And and if 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 you want if you look everywhere in the text Paul likens himself as an unto a, uh, as an ambassador. Uh, Paul always gives explicit charges to the elders and to those who retain one of the offices according to Ephesians 4 to govern, to judge, to teach. They they are the teaching uh uh they're the teaching priests. So um But notice, though, once again, in fact, go to go to First Corinthians chapter eleven. Um, <clears throat> baby, if if you can get the, I like the way that the the KJV uh, reads it. I'll read the NIV, but uh, then I'll, I'll read the KJV after that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Okay, so... Paul... You have to, you have to take careful note of this. I'll, I'll read the uh, KJV. Be followers of me, even as, even as also I am of Christ. Okay, <clears throat> and I, I want you to hear this very carefully and don't hear what I'm not saying. Paul didn't say follow Christ. If Paul said follow Christ, Paul would say have said follow Christ. But that's not what you see there. And I'm not saying don't follow Christ. That's why I preface by saying don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm just saying here in this particular verse, that's not what Paul said. What Paul said was, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, or follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Remember once again how, and it's important that Paul omits Jesus from this, this verse here. And Paul, I know people don't pay attention to this stuff by and large, but it's very important to note when you're reading the scriptures, you have you when Paul, Paul he uses Jesus in front of Christ or Christ in front of Jesus that is not without significance. When Paul puts places Christ in front of Jesus as in Christ Jesus, the emphasis is upon his priesthood and his office. When Paul places Jesus before Christ, the emphasis is upon his humanity. Okay. Um, so, but, or if Jesus is altogether omitted and the word, the term Christ is just used, 
or Christ is altogether omitted and just the term Jesus is used. That is not without significance. You have to pay careful attention to those nuances. So here, however, the emphasis is Christ. And remember, Christ, Jesus was Jesus. Christ was not his surname. It's not his last name. Christ is the office he retained as the anointed one. And Jesus was anointed as the Christ at the Jordan River. And once Jesus was anointed as Christ, he began to function as Christ. That's why for 30 years he didn't do a single uh, miracle. For 30 years he, he gave not a single prophecy. After he was anointed, then he had gone in the power of the Spirit. Are we listening? I don't want to be speaking on deaf ears here. Um, and and it's, it's factual. It's textual. That's why the Bible says, When he bringeth in the first begotten of the world, he saith, Let all the angels of God worship him. And it says, Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy brethren. So, Jesus was not immediately anointed when he entered the world. There was a time in which the Father did, there was a time, tea time, in which God the Father precisely anointed the Son. And it was when the Spirit had come and descended upon him as a dove. If that is not in fact the case, then how, how does one suggest we interpret that? It, 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 even in fact, Jesus had to be baptized. But once again, he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his brethren. Okay, so, so Jesus was anointed as the Christ. Okay, the Jews understood that the Christ never leaves the earth. In other words, the, 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 and, and, but Christ left those in his stead to continue that work. Okay, so so when when Paul is saying so keeping that in mind, when Paul says follow my example as I follow Christ, understand that Paul is essentially saying as one that has been entrusted with the mysteries of God like we just read previously in chapter 4, he says you ought to view us as servants of Christ that have been entrusted with those mysteries. Therefore, follow us as we follow Christ. And it says in Ephesians 3.20 that the mysteries of God were committed to the apostles and prophets. Okay? He says, so that you may know the insight given to me. So the, the insight was not given to the Ephesians directly and meet a uh, Immediately. It was given it to them through mediation. If you don't understand the technical terminology of mediation and e-mediation, see, for example, I know my thoughts immediately. Don't think of timing. E-mediacy means without mediation. 
That's another definition. Without mediation, without... So there's no barrier. I don't have to read a history book in order to gain this insight. I don't need a I don't need a math book in order to to come to know my own thoughts. My own thoughts come to me without mediation. That uh, um, philosophers call this knowledge by acquaintance. I don't need. I have direct access to this knowledge. Okay, but the the knowledge that was imparted to the Ephesians was via mediation. They did not have direct access to that knowledge. Paul did. The apostles did. Okay? So they learned it from Christ directly. Um... But now let us go back to First Timothy, and we'll close with this. <clears throat> Why this matters is because all are not equal in function. Um. I don't know if people just don't think about this, but if there was equality of function, why are we not all functioning equally? Because, because if, okay, then... People love to theorize about this. But what I love to... what I, I want to pick out the most embarrassed, shy timid individual that has no ability to publicly speak and say, next Saturday we're going to have them come and teach the word. Those that are shy, embarrassed, have no public speaking skills, you're already afraid. And and, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to do that because that's not biblical. So if we're all equal in function, why are not we, we not functioning all equally? Because we're not all equal in function. So, <clears throat> so understanding that then gives us a proper framework and un, an insight into when why Paul said to specific people who were qualified and able to teach as elders, because that's one of the qualifications in First Timothy. That they are to do this, and that they are to refute those who uh, oppose sound doctrine, and that they are to instruct in the scriptures. Precisely why, when we come here to this text in First Timothy, uh, chapter uh, four, uh, verse eleven, Paul tell oh in verse ten. This is why we labor and strive. The labor goes back to Luke nine and Luke ten. When Jesus commissioned the 12 and commissioned the 70 to go out into the field and labor, and hence why he he conjoins a blessing to those who do so and say that the higher, and Paul echoes this in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the higher is, or the laborer is worthy of his wages. So labor is never disconnected from the owner of the vineyard who commissioned them to labor in that vineyard. 
And Paul says, you are God's field. We are co-workers, co-laborers together with Christ. Therefore, we, not you, we beseech you in the stead of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's 2 Corinthians. So notice, though, the delineation. Okay, so going back to labor and striving, it says, for this is why we labor <coughs> and strive. This debunks the whole thing that I've seen with Geno Jennings. They say pastoring is not a work that, that they need to get a job. It's like, okay, I understand that not everybody's calling is the same. I'm not saying that elders cannot have a job or will not have a job. What I'm saying, though, is if we're, if we're always saying, let's get back to the book of Acts, um, Jesus didn't have one. And he's the prime example, is he not? People, he, pop, pop, uh, contrary to popular opinion, Jesus was not still working in carpentry when he was in ministry. Oh, yes, he was. Okay, well, where's that in the text? Okay, so Jesus is doing contrary to what he commissioned his apostles to do. And no, he's not. So in Luke 9 and Luke 10, he places the pressure on those who receive them. He says, don't go out with any money. Read Luke 9 and Luke 10. And, and, and you see, he says, don't carry a purse. Don't, don't carry an extra tunic. He says, when you go to a house and they receive you, and he says, you know, eat what is before you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so why didn't they just take money from... Didn't Jesus tell Peter, uh, leave your nets and come and follow me? You think he was just doing that because he thought it was cute? Oh, I'm going to catch some fish, right? No, that, that was his profession. Why did, why did he tell Matthew, the tax collector, to leave the booth? And to come and follow him. They were leaving their professions. And that's why when Jesus died and rose again, he found Peter doing what? He went, a lot of people say he backslid. But obviously he's not going to be preaching the gospel that he had lost hope in. Because their Messiah died, right? And so they, they, they kind of started declining and then reverted back. But yeah, is this making sense? Once again, it's all these little details that people just gloss over and they ignore. There's a, okay. So when Jesus said, okay, um, when, when he says, he tells one of the individuals. Now, when he says, follow me, he doesn't see, he does, it's not a call to salvation. When Jesus told people to follow him, he said, it means come and 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 learn from me sit under my tutelage and do what i do this is why when elisha followed elijah what was elisha doing and by the way it would interest you to know that elisha called elijah father so because when elijah got caught up in the world when he says my father my father okay okay but nonetheless Elisha left all to follow Elijah. And this is why when people 
wanted to follow him, they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Because in those days, you stayed with the rabbi. And so when, when Jesus said, come and follow me, he, he is essentially saying, do what I do. And that's why when, when, um, Pete, um, when um, Peter, when the rich man comes to Jesus and, and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life, this, that, and the other, and then, um, and then the rich man went away sad, and then Peter, right, he says, um, we have left all, Lord. We've left all. And then he says that you will be rewarded in this age for all those who have given up home, wife, etc., etc., will be rewarded in this age and the age to come. So, if they left all that, are we going to say that they did not leave their job? So, the the point is, they didn't have one. They just didn't. The, the, <clears throat> in the book of Acts, <laughs> I mean, people just don't read their Bibles. In the book of Acts, if the apostles said, we cannot even wait tables for the church, what makes you think they're waiting tables for the world? It says, we cannot neglect the ministry of the word of God and prayer. So they, they said, it's not meat for us to wait tables. We, however, will commit ourselves to the ministry of the word of God and prayer. And since Jesus was establishing his priesthood, which he very much was so, by setting apart 12, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel, he set apart the 70, which represented the 70 elders there in uh, the book of Numbers, which was also the exact number of the Sanhedrin council. Okay, Jesus was establishing his priesthood. And just like the priesthood in the in the uh, the book of Leviticus, the they were not they were prohibited from working. They were committed exclusively to the ministry of the temple, which Paul, <clears throat> which Paul uh, uh, emulates and and attributes to himself and his own work in Second Corinthians chapter nine and likens himself as one who is committed exclusively to the ministry of the altar. Says we, he says that those who serve in the altar have a right to uh, 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 eat from the altar. It says, do, um, he says, what soldier goes to war on his own expenses? And so, <coughs> what, what, what sense does it make for a soldier to fight in the infantry? He's like, oh, you know what? Once you're done there, hey, go put on an overtime at McDonald's. The, the fact of the matter is um, we're more emotional and we're more in tune with the culture than we are of the Bible. Um, we don't allow the Bible to interpret the Bible. We don't allow the scriptures to interpret the scriptures. <clears throat> So, 
When you read the Bible, you have to ask these questions. You have to pay attention to these careful details. Um, so, um, <clears throat> that is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Verse 11, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech conduct and love and faith and impurity until I come devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to preaching and teaching do not neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you okay so so notice though that the 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 exercise of the preaching and the teaching is not disconnected from the laying on of the hands and so, and he says, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture. You know, I've heard some churches in the past or so-called that um, every time they meet, they wouldn't even read the scriptures. Um, the fact is it's commanded. Amen. <clears throat> and so... This is this once again goes right back to the idea of we don't have any authority to say how the house of God should be ran. The scriptures have the authority. The scriptures set the precedence for what we are to expect. And so that's why um you know we we should really drop these whole theatrics and these fog machines and and all these things that um we just want to add and decorate to the house of God because we, we, we have no presence, we have no word, we have no anointing, and so we have to use all these other methodologies to keep people attracted. Um, you know, I, I'm just saying, you, you always have to decorate things that aren't too good. You know, So it's just fluff. If you really had the substance, then why don't you just allow the substance to speak for itself? You know what? I've no Think of your favorite restaurant and ask yourself if you have to have a whole lot of convincing to go there. Your favorite burger joint, uh, your favorite coffee, your favorite whatever. Or maybe, maybe, maybe think about your biggest crush. Do you need very much convincing uh, the, the, to be with her or to be with him? I don't think so. I think you're already pretty much made up in your mind about that one. Right? She don't need to convince you to go on a date with her. <laughs> um... But in closing, um, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to leave off on this note. Just so we know the, um, the severity and the, the sobriety of, uh, what we're speaking of here.
1 Corinthians 13, uh, excuse me, 3 verse 7, this is the last verse. 1 Corinthians 3 verse, uh, Now, the context of this has nothing to do with cigarette smoking. Um, I'm not saying go smoke cigarettes. Okay. Um, But people take this out of context and then people get mad that you you, you correct it. Um, Paul is talking about um, building the household of God. And that Paul is himself likened unto a wise master builder. Uh, verse 10, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than what uh, one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The teachers are the ones that lay those foundations. Why? Which is why in Hebrews chapter 6, he says, not laying again the foundation of repentance toward God. But look at what he says. So the context is building the house of God with sound doctrine. The foundations of the doctrines of Christ. And what he says right here, verse uh, 16. Don't you know that yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together... Are that temple. The reason why I say you together because it's in third person plural, which is indicative of the fact that you alone do not constitute a temple. It's a collective corporate body. And so when people start teaching things that are false and wrong and erroneous and heretical, they are by by default destroying the temple. Because you cannot build a temple up with false doctrine. Um, so I will close there. 